You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Start your winning season at MyBookie. Sign up with MyBookie. Use our promo code GATERS to get your first ever deposit match dollar for dollar. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime at MyBookie. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. We got a game this week. It's a bowl game. Florida, UCF, Gasparilla Bowl. You can't go by without letting a preview of that happen right here on Gators Breakdown, of course. Brandon Helwig, UCFSports.com, part of the Rivals Network, joins us right here on Gators Breakdown to help me preview the UCF Knights, the Gators opponent in the bowl game, the final game under this staff, Dan Mullen's staff here, before we turn the page to Billy Napier and him taking over this Florida Gator program. We'll also get into the new hires of Billy Napier, announced uh, the, the, the announcements are coming fast and furious there. So, uh we may even miss one by the time you listen to this, but uh, we, we'll get you caught up to date with the, the latest hires under Billy Napier from the last time we talked <laughs> last week uh, about the hires. So a lot more, all these off-field, uh, no more on-field uh, announcements being made yet. The last one, um, uh, Colbert, the wide receiver coach, the last one uh, that we've talked about on here. So we'll see if any more of those come about uh, before the, the Christmas holiday uh NFL season, of course, comes into play and maybe some college football playoff teams there as well. So that might be why uh, we are not hearing about some of those hires just yet. So we'll get into all those off-field hires before we sign off here on Gators Breakdown. Uh, But plenty, plenty to get into on this episode with the preview of the UCF Knights. All right, to get us started with this UCF preview, I bring on Brandon Helwig of UCFSports.com, part of the Rivals Network. Brandon, man, thanks for, uh, well, first of all, happy holidays. I hope that everything, Christmas coming up, New Year's coming up, all that good stuff. But uh, thank you so much for hopping on Gators Breakdown during this time. No problem. Anytime, David. I just kind of learned about your uh, your thing going and, and looking at some of the Gator sites. I uh, watched a few of your streams about recruiting and kind of learned a little bit about what Billy Napier is going through. You, you're doing a great job. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks, man. A good friend, uh, Tony Aguilini, brings us together okay. here. So I uh, know he reached out to both of us here uh, to get this going. So uh, Gasparilla Bowl between the Gators and the Knights. So, Brandon, the the view of this game, I guess, from the UCF side, the fan base side, you know, does it matter that Florida's coming into this game with a lame duck staff? Does it, does it damper the uh, enthusiasm for this game at all? Not really. I mean, I'm not sure how much Florida fans have been kind of in tune to the whole UCFU up dynamic. Obviously, UCF fans have really been into it the last few years. Uh, obviously, when UCF was on their run a few years ago, you know, undefeated season with Scott Frost, went to the Peach Bowl, beat Auburn. The next year, went to the Fiesta Bowl. And I know there was some, I don't know if you want to call it conspiracy theories. A lot of UCF fans wanted to match up that year at the end of uh, 2018 against UF and the Peach Bowl. But 
or whatever the rules or, or whatever they, they claim the rules were about, you know, the G5 team had to go to this bowl or that bowl. And if Scott Strickland was on the playoff committee that year, and a, a lot of fans thought maybe he was, you know, blocking a, a UCF-UF matchup. And I know there was a lot of, you know, I don't know, trash talk or whatever you will, mo- mostly fan generated about, you know, who's the best team in Florida. And, and I know there was a lot of that going on. I, I know it's, it's a game that I know UCF fans have been looking forward to. And, and it, was, it kind of bubbled up or it really did this past summer when the two schools announced a future series, you know, 2024 in Gainesville. I think it's 2030 at UCF and 2033, I think, in Gainesville. I think those are the correct years because, you know, there was that kind of media rivalry amongst ADs. Now it's the past AD for UCF, Danny White. You know, he was always talking about, you know, we see UF as a peer school and we're only going to do home and homes. And, and Scott Strickland's like, well, you're a group of five school. We don't do home and homes with programs like you. So, you know, Mike Bianchi, early New Settle columnist, kind of helped fan those flames a little bit. So I know that was a lot of fun, at least amongst fan bases. But for, for this game, I mean, you know, I know this isn't the ideal scenario for UF right now. Kind of a, like you said, a lame duck coaching staff, uh, you know, not a full strength team, but you know, the same kind of you could say about is similar with UCF. They've had a lot of injuries. Uh, didn't really expect to go through this season uh, with the true freshman quarterback. But as far as fan bases go, none of that really matters right now. As we saw, the game sold out almost instantaneously. Yeah. I think when you talk about games right now, and I don't know if it's changed the last week, uh, I think the only games that are sold out or on track to sell out are the two playoff games in this game. You know, UF – UCF, the Gasper level, so everyone's amped up. I know both teams sold out their allotments. They put out standing room only tickets, I believe, a few days ago. Those sold out. So I know it's not an ideal scenario maybe for you up right now, but I know at least from the UCF side, everyone is still really excited. Yeah, no fan base wants to see their team lose a game either. So, you know, might no. as well. You know, Florida's undefeated out of conference games, beat FSU in the last game of the season. Uh, so you could say, you know, you beat USF, you beat FSU, and the way other, all the other games have played out. If you want to claim a state championship, then you know this is the last. This is the last hurrah that stands in that way. So uh, you know, some players can look at it that way. Some fans, some of the fans can look at it that way as well. So, Brandon, let's get to UCF just a bit here. How would you assess your one under Gus Malzahn, and and how different has it been under the last two the uh, regimes uh, for, for UCF with Scott Frost and Josh Heupel? You know, it's it's really kind of hard to grade just based on you had projections and expectations of how you think a season was going to go. And that was basically built around an offense that was going to be led by returning starting quarterback Dylan Gabriel, uh, put up a lot of yards the last couple of years under Josh Heupel. Uh, you had a really good running back transfer, Isaiah Bowser. He played at Northwestern. Uh, you know, if you look at, at UCF's season opener against Boise, I mean, you know, the offense was looking great. UCF won that game. Next week they played Bethune-Cookman. Obviously that was an easy victory against a lower-level opponent. Then that third week UCF goes to Louisville, and that's kind of when everything started to pile up. Uh, that was a close game, back-and-forth game. Uh, UCF was driving at the end of the game could to, to potentially win it, and um, Dylan Gabriel threw a pick six. That kind of you know, obviously uh, affected the outcome there. And then, you know, they're, they're at the end of the game trying to throw a Hail Mary or whatever. And uh, Dylan got hit on a play and broke his collarbone. It was like the final play of the game. He was down on the ground. People just kind of thought, oh, is he just upset because UCF lost? Is he really hurt? Yeah, he really was hurt. He broke his collarbone. And also in that game, Isaiah Bowser hurt his knee. The number one wide receiver for UCF, Jalen Robinson, also had a knee injury. Uh, starting defensive tackle, Ricky Barber. He had a knee injury. I mean, they were just piling up. So at that game, you know, the UCF team after that game wasn't the same. You have a true uh, – they went to Mikey Keene, who was a true freshman quarterback, um, you know, really had looked good in the spring and summer. But, I mean, he's a true freshman. I mean, no one really expected him to be thrust into a starting job. And that's just kind of the way it went. Um, you know, they had a bye week after that, and then they go on the road to Navy. And, and no, this isn't the same – Navy team of maybe two or three years ago, but you know, it's still the Navy offense, the option and trying to trying to defend that. And, you know, it's, it's a great environment up there and UCF lost that game. That's really the one game right now. I think you should say that UCF should have won and they did not. But from then on, I mean, it was just a multitude of injury issues just the entire year and just, you know, eight and four, all things considered 
is a really good result. I, I know there were some games. I know the fan base is like you had to pull it out last you know, the last quarter to beat Tulane. You had to, you know, South Florida in a rivalry game on Black Friday, the last regular season games. You kind of had to stop them at the goal line just to hold on and win. Yeah, there were some tight games in there, but just with everything, with injuries, um, yeah, I still think you got to give Gus Malzahn an A just for how he handled everything. Um, you know, it wasn't ideal. Just like this was an ideal year for Florida, even though UCF has had, had a reasonably good year at eight and four, it wasn't an ideal year based on maybe where – fan expectations were. Brandon, you mentioned, of course, the the, the main storyline on the offense is Gabriel going down and, and Keen stepping in. But with that limited sample size, could you tell – I mean, how, how much did the offense actually change? It changed a lot. I, it kind of just went from, you know – especially with the, the some of the skill players that went down around him, just you didn't yeah. have the same weapons you did before. And so uh, I think it kind of became an offensive – what what can Mikey do? And, and he's learning everything. He's learning how to read defenses. He's he's learning everything. I mean, you know, he played it. He was a, he played at a high level in Arizona high school football. You know, won a lot of games and championships out there, uh, Chandler. But you know, this isn't the same thing. You know, playing uh, FBS major college football. So it was kind of managing what he can do, what his talents are. Uh, they didn't ask him to do a whole lot. Um, and, and, you know, some of the receiver depth just wasn't the same with, with some of the injuries and, 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 and the running back depth was coming along. So, you know, just doing whatever you could do to kind of limit turnovers and, and not, you know, force them into risky throws and just kind of plodding along. Like it wasn't pretty. I mean, there were some games that, you know, for what fans in any way had been accustomed to under prior regimes, just, you know, checking the ball down the field yeah. and deep balls and, you know, racking up, you know, four or five, 600 yards a game. That wasn't the offense this year. And just, they didn't have the personnel to do that, which, you know, it may not be Gus Malzahn's MO anyway, you know, once he's yeah. his full strength. I think he, he covets maybe, maybe, you know, maybe Mikey can get to that point. Mikey King, but I think he, he likes, you know, more dual threat running backs. And we didn't really see a whole lot of that for Mikey this year in terms of his running ability, a uh, little bit skittish to, get out there and run. So, I mean, we'll see what the future holds with, with quarterback going forward, but you know, it, it really wasn't the offense that we envisioned that at least we saw when they were full strength, when they had Dylan at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, Gus Malzahn would really love to rely on a, on a strong running game with his running backs as well. And as you said, that put, there, there was a damper with that too, with Bowser going down, but it doesn't like Johnny Richardson was able to, to kind of, you know, show up uh, and make up a little bit uh, for when Bowser goes down. But when Bowser was on the field, you could definitely see uh, oh, yeah. the capability that he, that he brought to the table there. So I guess two things there. What is Johnny Richardson? What did he bring to the table? And is has it been determined yet if Bowser is going to be available for this Gasparilla Bowl, uh, given the Knights a one-two punch on the night? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Johnny Richardson, uh, an, an ex explosive guy. Uh, but you said really went running back by committee when Bowser went down. When Bowser was healthy, I mean, they were leaning on him. Like, I got to look at some of the stats. I think he was getting like 25 carries a game. I mean, they were he was a workhorse. Uh, but they went with, you know, Johnny Richardson was kind of next man up at times. They had um, Mark Anthony Richards, who was a transfer from Auburn, played for Gus Obviously, last year at Auburn, he's originally from Fort Lauderdale, and he transferred in over the summer. They were using him quite a bit and just kind of different guys. Uh, but Bowser um, had not he, – he'd been back. He tried to go a little bit late in the year. He was held out again at the end of the season. Uh, didn't really see a whole lot of reps. But this – I guess it will be almost a month um, since the last game. Well, he didn't even play in the last game. From what we gather, he's practicing, and they expect – you know I don't know if he'll be 100%, but he'll be – as close to a hundred percent as he probably will have been since the injury. So we're expecting a, a good deal amount of uh, Isaiah Bowser. He's an older guy. Um, I know he came into the season, you know, everyone obviously hopes that they can put on a the kind of season of performance to, to get looks at the next level in the NFL. He just had, you know, he's had injury issues in the past in Northwestern and obviously had injury issues this year. So I, I don't think he really has enough of a sample size to get NFL looks. So this is a big game for him. And also, you know, we expect he'll probably, he hasn't announced anything. We expect he'll probably come back next year and, and try to, you know, put on more of a show to hopefully, you know, get that next level chance. But yeah, we should, I think we're going to see a heavy dose of him on Thursday. All right, Brendan Helberg from UCFSports.com joining us here on Gators Breakdown, previewing these UCF nights. 
Brandon, I got to ask you, how, how big of a weapon is Ryan O'Keefe at receiver? It looks like a, a utility player a little bit for this offense. Yeah, uh, that's he was really, I mean, almost the only <laughs> offensive weapon at times when you talk about receiver. Just It wasn't a deep position, especially after Jalen Robinson. His nickname is Flash. And ever since Flash got injured, Ryan O'Keefe was pretty much the guy. And, you know, he can do a little bit of everything. Obviously, he's got tremendous speed, but he was a quarterback uh, at the high school level. And I got to look at it. I think he might be two for two uh, passing this year. And I think both of those were, were touchdown passes on gadget <laughs> plays. I know he had one at Louisville and he had one in one of the games late in the season. So he's a guy that, you know, he has that kind of threat. And, you know, he's, he's you know, an experienced guy. And he was just kind of his third for a uh, full year in the program. But, you know, talented receiver, got a lot of speed. But the other thing is, you know, hopefully – like I just talked about Isaiah Bowser, if he's closer to 100%. Jalen Robinson was another guy um, who was injured for most of the year. And, and with another month in between games, he, he got back late in the season, didn't quite look himself at, from what we're accustomed to. But so if, if he's closer to 100%, that'll be huge because wide receiver was not a, d- a deep position in terms of you know speed and, and getting you know s- separation from, from DBs and whatnot. So if both of those guys – or healthy and, and Ryan O'Keefe's been healthy the whole year. I mean, that that would be a huge benefit to Mikey King come come Thursday. Brandon, before we wrap up here, let's move to the other side of the ball. Big Cat Bryant comes over from Auburn, would follows Gus Malzahn. Has he looked like an SEC defender playing against, you know, the AAC teams there? And even with that name recognition, it does seem Tatum Bethune may be the player Gator fans really need to key in on uh, when this game uh, it, it kicks off on Thursday night. Yeah, Big Cat Bryant, uh, you know, really is is one of the best players for UCF on defense. I know he kind of turned heads. Uh, I think it was media day, uh, late July, early August, whenever that was. He was kind of spouting off a little bit, saying he's going to be the best defensive player in the nation. UCF could beat Auburn. And he kind of, you know, ruffled the feathers of a lot of uh, Auburn fans there. Uh, but, I mean, he's, 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 he's showed that he's a high-level player. You know, there was, you know, kind of some issues early in the season from actually, you know, executing and getting the sack. But he impacts almost every play. Uh, you know, the sacks have eventually piled up for him. But but if you just look at, at every play, he is making some, you know, even though if he didn't have a tackle, he's, you know, he's doing something to impact that play. And, and you know, something needs to be said that there was a, there's been a few games this year where he played every defensive rep and and you know sometimes it's hard to keep track of that in the course of a mm-hmm. game but you know if you're a db maybe a linebacker that's not that uncommon but for a defensive lineman to play every defensive rep i mean that doesn't happen very often and he plays every rep at a high level he has a relentless motor uh he's been a great addition to ucf this year uh you know he's he's jacked up for this game he's excited i mean UCF, you know, as far as we know, um, they don't have any any opt outs. I mean, I don't know why anyone would. I mean, unless you're, you know, guaranteed maybe first or second round pick. But, you know, he's amped up for the game. Obviously, he wants to go out and, and look impressive against an SEC opponent. He's going to play in the Hula Bowl, uh, which is actually going to be played at UCF um, in January. So I know he's amped up. And Tatum Bethune, who you mentioned, is UCF's uh, leading linebacker, uh, starter, leading tackler, uh, a really good player. I mean, this is a tough guy that you know has gotten you know, concussions and, you know, all kinds of stuff and just little ailments and, and, you know, hurt elbows and arms and he keeps on playing and, you know, it's just, you know, really a, a tough guy and a really good linebacker. And uh, yeah, cause we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting because, you know, you've got an interim staff that, you know, you kind of wonder, you know, how much preparation are there? Because most of those yeah. guys, correct me if I'm wrong, they're not, st- not sticking around at Florida. No, beyond the game. So, what kind of game plan are they putting together? Is it, I know Emory Jones is playing, even though he said he's going to go on the portal. That's a, kind of a strange dynamic. He, I think your receiver, um, yep, Jacob Copeland, Jacob Copeland is, he, is he playing? He's in the portal, right? But he's he's play. in the portal. He says, and he said in the announcement on social media that he was going to play in the bowl game as well. So you got guys looking for their next stop while they're suiting up one more time for Florida. And, and the other thing, and I don't know if, if people kind of put two and two together, but UCF is looking for a portal quarterback to compete this spring. And, mm. you know, they've been in the mix for a few guys. Obviously, we just saw Bo Nix went to yep. Oregon last night. Uh, that was a guy that, you know, I'm sure Gus, well, we know he reached out to him. They were looking at guys like Adrian Martinez, who went to Kansas State, uh, Michael Penix, uh, Tampa native, Indiana. He went to Washington, but 
if Emory Jones hits the portal and we know he is, that could be a phone call that Gus yeah. Laws on makes. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic right now. He may not need to make a phone yeah. call, Brandon. He may, just, he, may, he may just meet with him on the field after the game. I know. I know. That's an interesting <laughs> thing. You've got a guy playing in a game that, I mean, I don't know what kind of option. I mean, he'll have options, Emory Jones. I, you know, you know, would he be interested in UCF? Will UCF be interested in him? I wouldn't be surprised. So that's an interesting dynamic, too, now with this whole yeah. transfer portal that we've never had to think about before, that guys <laughs> are kind of playing for their next job. So it, ironically, it could be a one of the suitors could be a team that he's playing against. So that's just something interesting to watch on Thursday. Brandon, before we let you go here, man, uh, just let us know right here if, uh, you know, whether we've discussed it already or, or, or we haven't, you know, what the Florida fans really need to watch for uh, or either side of the ball for UCF and if UCS will come out and win this game. Uh, you know, with UCF, like I said, we kind of talked about it at the onset. Uh, you know, it's, it's, We'll see, you know, I know Florida, Florida is going to be excited. I mean, I, I know people always talk about, you know, are teams motivated? Are they kind of getting up to play? And, and you know, it, it's hard to say, you know, every player on the roster, I'm sure, is going to have different degrees of, of how excited they are for a game. I know. But, you know, I'm sure Florida, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, they got a new coach coming in. They don't want to loaf. They want to look good for the for the new guy or even if they're transferring, they want to look good for <laughs> – you know, the, the next school they're, they're going to play for. So when it's all said and done, I'm sure Florida's going to be amped up. We know UCF's going to be amped up. You know, Gus, you know, obviously with UCF going to the Big 12 in a couple of years, most likely 2023, UCF has re- been recruiting on a higher level than than maybe they have in the past. And, and Gus Malzahn isn't shy. I mean, he's going to, you know, maybe in years past, you know, there's guys who are, you know, you want to call them, you know, big three recruits, you know, Florida type players, Florida State, Miami, you know, UCF really wouldn't win those battles. And, you know, they, they maybe want a few of those battles this year, which is something that has never happened at UCF before. So I know for Gus Malzahn, he would love nothing more. That would kind of cap off his first year in a positive way. If you could say he beat Florida, you know, he'd be, you know, the fan base obviously would go nuts, but just on the recruiting channel for, for where Gus wants to build this program would be a huge you know, talking point, I'm sure they never shut up about it during the offseason and recruiting and spring and everything. So, you know, UCF's going to be amped up. I just know that Gus is, you know, and we're still kind of learning him and, and adjusting to, you know, kind of learning his, his tendencies and his histories and stuff. But, you know, he's going to pull everything, you know, out of, out of that hat to do whatever he can to, to try to win the game on Thursday. All right, Brandon Helwig, man, thank you so much for joining us right here on Gators Breakdown Preview. And, the Central Florida Knights as Florida will match up with them Thursday night in the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa, Florida. Brandon, once again, thank you so much. Enjoyed it very much, David. Thank you. The holiday season is upon us, and my bookie is in the giving spirit with 12 straight days of giveaways. Every day, there's a new exclusive promotion for you to redeem, and the best part is it's all free when you sign up and make your first deposit with my bookie. Starting December 21st and ending on January 1st, you can bring in the new year the right way with giveaways that can help you fill your stocking with cash this season. From odds boost to casino chips to straight up blocks, MyBookie's 12 days of giveaways is a can't-miss promotion. And that's not all. To get you started, MyBookie is matching all first-time deposits up to $1,000. That deal's still going on. This is longer than it usually goes on. But matching all first-time deposits up to $1,000 with my promo code GATERS, that's double your funds to double your winnings and get in on all the best action at my bookie. So don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using promo code GATERS. Head to my bookie, place your bets, and get in on the best 12 days of the year today. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie. All right, here we go. Let's get into Central Florida season. Coming into this bowl game, opened up the season with a win over your Boise State, 36-31, but then Cookman 63-14. And then, as you heard us uh, in the conversation there, lost to Louisville 42-35, to and that's when their season kind of changed just a bit with all the injuries. They go the next week, lose to Navy 34-30, to Beat East Carolina only 20 to 16, get thumped by a college football playoff participant, Cincinnati 56 to 21. Then they turned around three straight wins over Memphis, Temple, and Tulane. Then lost to SMU, beat UConn 49 to 17, and then ended the season 
versus South Florida with a 17 to 13 win in their season finale uh, there. So there's a look at UCF and their season so far. Let's take a stat comparison look right now between these two programs. Get a better look at how these they match up a bit here. Florida, 11th in college football in total offense, 470 yards a game. As we know, they're very weighted by the beginning of the season. UCF, the 68th-ranked total offense in the country at 399.7 yards a game. Scoring offense, Gators come in 41st, UCF at 38. Uh, there. So even though yardage-wise, Florida has more, Scoring-wise, UCF has more. So there you go. Yard is not turning into points necessarily so much uh, as much as it is for the Gators compared to UCF. Rushing offense, of course, led by you know, for, for UCF, Gus Malzahn. He loves to run the ball, runs the ball a, a bit with his offenses there. 35th in college football, Florida 21st in college football at 209 yards a game. UCF rushing for 188.7 yards a game. If you're watching the YouTube version, you get um, the the chart right here. It helps explains it a bit more. I'll do the best I can here on the audio version. Uh, but here we go. We'll go to total defense just uh, to speed this up a bit. Florida, 46th in total defense in the country. UCF, 55th. UCF gives up 368.8 yards a game. That's why Florida's gaining. 470 yards a game, as I said. So there you go. Scoring defense, Florida, 66 in the country, giving up 26.1 points per game. UCF, 25.2. That good. That's good for 55th in the country. Rushing defense is kind of what you want to look at. If Florida's going to probably do much in this game as far as the offensive side of the ball with Emory Jones starting, you have to rely on him running the ball. Hopefully, that's when we've seen this offense work a good bit with him at quarterback. It, for it to work at its best, his legs need to be involved. So does Damian Pierce, of course. Feed the man in his last game in a Gator uniform and do it. Because UCF, as you see here, their rushing defense, 72nd in the country, 155.4 yards a game. Uh, they give up passing defense. They're 41st in the country, so not terrible, only giving up 213 yards a game. We'll get into that a bit more, too, diving into to what they do on defense and how they've been playing better on that side of the ball. Opponents have a little bit to do with it, finishing the season with UConn and USF, uh, but still playing better on that side uh, of the ball. Sacks allowed, of course, Florida not giving up many sacks this year, only 12 on the year. UCF has given up 23 sacks this year. That's good for 46 in the country. With Florida only giving up 12, that's tied for eighth best in the country. So there we go. And then here we go, sacks per game. UCF gets to the quarterback 2.83 times a game. Good for 34 sacks this season. Tied for 28th on the season. Hey, guess what? Florida has the same number. So UCF, Florida, get to the quarterback 34 times this season. That's tied for 20. Both teams tied for 28th in the country. Tackles for loss. UCF pretty good there. Tied for 18th in the country. 84 tackles for loss on the uh, on the season. Seven a game. That's more than Florida. Florida tied for 80th with only 5.2 a game. 63 on the season. So there is your statistical ranking comparison. As I said, if you're looking on YouTube, much easier to kind of keep up with a bunch of numbers there as I'm throwing them your way. Uh, right here. So, all right, let's get into a little more of the conversation for UCF and what they are bringing to the Gasparilla Bowl. Said ranked 38th in the nation in scoring offense. That's 32.2 points per game, 68th in total offense with 399.7 yards of total offense per game. Go to the quarterback here, as you heard uh, with the conversation with Brandon there. Mikey Keene, he was thrust into the action, of course, after Dylan Gabriel went down with a broken collarbone and a loss to Louisville back on September 17th. That was a Friday night game before Florida-Alabama. Uh, there, So that's how far, that's how long ago it had been. Came through for over 200 yards in three of the final five regular season games, recording identical yardage totals of 229 yards in wins over Temple and Tulane, and then throwing for 208 in the win over UConn. 
In the winter of the Temple, King became the first UCF freshman to throw for four or to throw for five touchdowns in a game and just a seventh night, regardless of the year, to do so. So there is a game there where he's thrown for five touchdowns. But I mean, here we go. You know, threw for over 200 yards in three of the final five regular season games. He's not, you know, lighting up defenses here, of course. 229 in wins over Temple and Tulane, and then only for 208 over UConn. Uh, so. It's about the skilled players around him. As you heard um, Brandon say, some injuries there along as well have been ravaged by injuries uh, this year. But Ryan O'Keefe, workhorse at receiver, 77 catches for 727 yards in 12 games, six touchdowns through the air. He's had 12 rushes for 164 yards and a score on the ground and three pass completions on three attempts. You heard us talk about that. Yeah, three pass completions, three attempts, Two touchdowns. There's, a, there's your kind of Trent, Trent Whittemore of the UCF offense right there. Um, but he's thrown for two touchdowns and 66 yards on three completions. So, as I said, that utility player for the UCF offense, to get him involved in a few ways, his 77 catches are tied for the sixth most in a single season by UCF Knight. And with two more, he'll move into UCF's top five. It marks the most receptions by a UCF player in a single season in the last 15 years. So Ryan O'Keefe, there we go. If you want me to pinpoint a player, if UCF can get that passing game going just a bit, Ryan O'Keefe is the name to look out for. We didn't talk much with Brandon there about the offensive line for UCF, but they returned their entire offensive line from last season. Includes six different offensive linemen that started games in 2020. Crew has started in all but one game together this season. Current UCF offensive linemen have now combined for 148 career starts at UCF and 159 total collegiate starts, including Marcus Tatum's 11 starts at Tennessee. So there you go. They're getting the transfer from the SEC along that offensive line who has started 11 games for him this year to go along uh, with all the starters that return to this year. So as I said, um, you can kind of see a lot of experience there up front for them. And as a team that lends itself to UCF ranking 38th in the nation and rushing with 188.7 yards per game, most experienced running back for them, graduate transfer Isaiah Bauer. You heard us talk about him. Totaled 334 carries and 1,300 yards and seven touchdowns at Northwestern his previous three seasons. In his first game this season as a night, Bowser rushed for 33 times for a career-high 172 yards and a touchdown versus Boise State. In week two, he scored four rushing touchdowns, just a third night to do so. He suffered an injury in the loss to Louisville, missed games against Navy, ECU, SMU, UConn, and South Florida. But Johnny Richardson has been the guy to fill in for Bowser when, he's gone, when he went down. Richardson leads the team with 693 yards on 101 carries, 6.9 yards per carry average. Second best mark in program history. So Johnny Richardson, we've seen this Florida defense much better at the end of the year as far as, you know, past that South Carolina game and stopping the run versus Stanford. Stanford, you know, lit them up in the air. Missouri, FSU, not a lot of success in running the ball. Um Missouri, of course, hit their big plays, but when you went into that game after the South Carolina performance, you were thinking that Gator defense was going to just let Missouri run up and down the field on them. Didn't really happen. As I said, there were some big plays there. Uh, But we've seen it at times this year, Georgia, LSU, South Carolina, of course. And now you look out for this run game with Johnny Richardson in UCF with him averaging 6.9 yards a carry. Mark Anthony Richardson has scored five times this season in a reserve role as well, 309 yards, 48 carries. He had eight versus SMU for 104 yards. But Bowser, even with the injuries, still leads the team with seven touchdowns, 124 carries, with a total of 548 yards, but still leads the team with seven scores. But he's questionable with that leg injury. So we'll see if he plays or not for UCF. Let's move to the other ball. Other side of the ball, not the other ball. Let's move to the other side. Defensive coordinator Travis Williams has the Knights ranked 55th in total defense on the season. UCF has given up less than 300 yards of total offense in five games this season in five of its eight wins. There we go. 
UCF has given up less than 300 yards of total offense in five games this season. It's five of its eight wins. Not hard to win games when you're giving up less than 300 yards of offense. <laughs> uh, after giving up 33.2 points per game last season, the Knights have improved in 2021, allowing only 25.2 points per game and ranking 55th in the country after ranking 92nd in scoring defense a year ago. UCF defense ranks 41st in the nation in pass defense, allowing only 213 passing yards per game. Only one team has put forth a 300-yard passer against the Knights this season. That game was against SMU November 13th. Five times this season, Central Florida has allowed less than 200 yards passing in a game, including four of the last seven outings of the regular season. So besides SMU, they're not, you know, they're not, they weren't giving up many passing yards. Doesn't really lend itself to Emory Jones to kind of figure it out and, and, and pass all over them. As I said, if he can get the run game going with Pierce and his own legs, then I think the passing game can open up. Uh, but we've seen against other defenses way too many times, throwing way too many picks. Got to be able to run the ball. UCF has shown they don't let many passing yards on them. UCF had just two team sacks through the first four games but averaged four sacks per game over the last eight games and four and a half per game over the last six contests of the season. So getting after the quarterback as the season progressed, Knights ranked 28th in the nation with 2.83 sacks per game on the season and 18th with seven tackles a loss per game. A couple of names to watch out for here on defense for UCF. Tatum Bethune led the team 101 tackles, ranked second in the AAC and 21st in the nation with 9.2 tackles per game. He had an 18-tackle game versus USF the last time out for Central Florida, and he had a 17-tackle game earlier this season versus ECU, East Carolina there. Their buck, Big Cat Bryant, you heard us talk about him. He followed Gus Malzahn from Auburn UCF. He appeared in and started all 12 regular season games at defensive end. Earned first-team All-ACC honors from the league's coaches. Led the Knights and ranked second in the AAC with 14 tackles for loss during the regular season. Also led the team and tied for second in the conference with six sacks. All that, only 50 tackles. He's just disruptive. Helps his teammates out there. Eight quarterback hurries, three pass breakups. There. For big cat Bryant coming over from Auburn to UCF. So, man, I don't know what to think about this game. Uh, we, where's Florida going to be at mentally? All the the coaching changes, of course, the transfers that are happening, all the talk of kind of just moving forward to Billy Napier. But look, you, you, you've put through you've been put through practice these last couple of weeks in, in preparation for this bowl game. Billy Napier's been on the sideline. You hope you want to go impress the new coach a bit, but. You know, what, what's the mental capacity? What's the mental aspect right now at this point in the season? You ready just to move on? Ready just to get the season over with? It didn't seem that way versus FSU. You went out there and played one of your – now, granted, you, you let them come back and claw back, but you, you, know, you, you went out there and put one of your better performances starting you know, in the second half of the season. You got to win. You jumped out to a big lead. You let FSU claw back, but you – the, the points that we saw of this team just looked like they didn't want to be on the field. It wasn't there versus FSU. You let them call back, yeah, but you wanted to be out there. You proved you wanted to be out there. You wouldn't play for your teammates. Can you bleed it over into the sporting? Can that come over as well? I, I don't know. I don't have the answers. To that. I didn't have the answers, versus, answers for it versus FSU either. Uh, but I think getting off to a good start, keeping in this game, you don't want to go lose to UCF. You don't want to be the, Gator, the first Gator team to go lose to UCF. So there's some – Somewhat pride there. Uh, it's probably safe to say UCF and their their, their fan base and players, uh, you know, they they want to go win this game. It might mean a little bit more to them, at, you know, in eight and four UCF versus a six and six Florida. If, to them, it doesn't matter. There's a lame duck Florida staff. It really doesn't. For Florida, it does. You know, you want to go win the game. You don't want to go lose the game. You, any game you go play. Looking from a fan perspective. But how's the coaching staff going to put it? You know, are they busy looking for other jobs? You hope they have enough respect for these players they've recruited. You go coach them one more time. Go coach them up. Go put them out there on the field in successful situations. You kind of 
maybe auditioning for your next job a little bit. These, these players, you're auditioning for Billy Napier if you're going to be around this program next year. So there's plenty to play for. First of all, you just don't want to go lose. Second of all, go beat UCF. Third of all, and lastly, it's an audition. An audition for your next head coach if you're going to be on this team next year. And, and to extend that, you know, last time, if you're Damian Pierce, and if you're not a player that's, you know, that, um, Kyrie Elam could easily sit out this game. Nobody would blame him. All indications are he's going to play. You know, so there's, a, there's some players out there who want to go out there and play for the, the logo uniform. Hopefully they go out there and perform well. Go get Florida win. I'm not even going to try and predict the score. I don't know what kind of Florida team is going to show up. I think if Florida can go out there and Emory Jones can use his legs, calm down, not throw as many interceptions, let this, you know, Greg Knox and this offensive staff lean on Damian Pierce, lean on this run game. May not blow UCF out, but I think it's a good, pretty good path to a victory. We see that. We see this defense play like they did versus Missouri for the most part, or like they did versus FSU for the most part. You can easily win this game. Do they want to go do it? That's the question. Hopefully so. Hopefully we can go enjoy watching our Gators play one more time till the next time till September. Or the last time till September of next year when they open up with Utah. This is the last game we'll see our Gators play for about eight months. So hopefully they give us something to, to brag about one more time this season. All right, let's get into these new hires before we get off here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Now, I'm doing these in uh, chronological order of when they were announced. So that was the easiest way to keep up with it. So no, <laughs> nothing more to it uh, than, than that. Here we go. Katie Turner, Assistant Athletic Director of Recruiting Strategy. It was re- announced uh, last Thursday. Turner heads to Gainesville after spending two seasons at Georgia, where she worked as the Bulldogs Director of Recruiting Operations. As part of Georgia's recruiting staff, Turner contributed to the acquisition of talent that helped the Bulldogs secure the nation's top five and top three recruiting classes for 2021 and 2022, respectively. Prior to Georgia, Turner served on Napier staff at Louisiana as a director of football on-campus recruiting from 2018 to 2020. The Raging Cajuns garnered the number one recruiting class in the Sun Belt in consecutive years in 19 and 20. Turner's experience expands beyond the college ranks, having worked with the Buffalo Bills as a graduate assistant in the community, community relations department and business development department. In 2016, the graduate from University of Alabama Turner began her career on Alabama's recruitment team as a student. She assisted in the Tide's recruiting efforts from 2013 to 2016 when Alabama secured the number one recruiting class in the nation each of those years. So Katie Turner, while not an on-field role, very important here in recruiting, going to be putting when when, uh, recruits visit the University of Florida on campus, making sure they are taken care of, making sure – Everything goes smoodly in the process. And look, you've heard me mention it here on Gators Breakdown plenty of times uh, out there. I've talked to some, some, some people connected to high school recruits who are taking visits all around uh, the South and taking visits to Georgia and taking visits to Alabama and taking visits to Florida. Florida has not compared one bit to those schools in the way those high school recruits are treated. The entertainment that happens at those campuses when recruits visit, that's going to change now. Katie Turner knows what goes on at the University of Georgia those last couple of years in making an impression on families, making an impression on recruits that helps in recruiting. Now, as I said, it always, to me, it starts with the head coach. It starts with him and it filters down to the staff. But then you start bringing in assets like Casey Turner who have a background in big-time major recruiting, recent big-time major recruiting at the University of Georgia, you know how it's done. You know what needs to be done. You know what impresses these kids out there. You're bringing that over to the University of Florida now. I think it's great she has a previous relationship with Billy Napier, a lot of experience together. They know how to work together. They can hit the ground running right here. When Florida starts these on-campus 
visits again in January, I expect a whole different approach than what we've seen these last few years. All right, let's keep it going. Jacob LaFrance announced that he will serve on staff as director of player personnel. Native of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, LaFrance joins the Gator staff after spending the last three seasons with Napier in Louisiana, where he helped the Raging Cajuns garner the number one recruiting class in the Sun Belt Conference in consecutive years. Once again in 2019 and 2020, prior to Louisiana, LaFrance served in the same capacity at UTSA, as Texas San Antonio, from 2016 to 2019, where he oversaw prospect evaluation, roster management, and assisted with NFL liaisons on visits and research. Among other duties, LaFrance spent two seasons, 2014 and 2015, as a recruiting analyst at Maryland, where he oversaw day-to-day recruiting operations. He's a 2012 LSU graduate. LaFrance was a personal assistant for the Tigers from 2019 to 2014. Played a key role in landing top five or five top ten recruiting classes during his time in Baton Rouge. So there you go, director of player personnel, Jacob LaFrance, going to be really key in identifying the talent acquisition part of this process for the Florida Gators. Here we go. Building that army. So to continue that, Joe Danos was also announced, director of player athletic development. A native of New Orleans, he joins the Gator staff after spending the last nine years working in two different professional sports leagues. Recently, he served as head strength and conditioning coach for Inter-Miami Football Club in the MLS from 2020 to 2021. Before that, he was a performance manager and strength and conditioning assistant coach for the New York Giants for seven seasons from 2013 to 2019. Dano spent three seasons, 2010 to 2012, at Florida State, where he was an assistant strength and conditioning coach and played a key role in the building of the Seminoles' 2013 National Championship team. Prior to FSU, Dano served on the SMU strength staff, in addition to spending two years as an assistant strength coach at LSU, working with football and several Olympic sports. Certified strength and conditioning specialist throughout the National Strength and Conditioning Association, and is a certified coach by USA Weightlifting, the national governing body for weightlifting in the United States, also a member of the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association, National Strength and Conditioning Association, and USA Weightlifting. So Joe, Joe Danos, they're, they're going to be helping Mark Hockey with the Strength and Conditioning Program at the University of Florida. He is the Director of Player Athletic Development. So a lot of experience here. A lot of top-line experience. They're in the MLS. They're in the NFL. He's a poor performance manager and strength and conditioning assistant coach for the New York Giants. So Florida really hitting it pretty hard there in the strength and conditioning department with Danos and Hockey. All right. Last couple of announcements here. Doug Domingue. Hopefully I'm saying that right. He's the director of recruiting innovation. Hitting the recruiting part of this again, he spent the last four seasons, 2018 to 2021, at Louisiana. First joined the Raging Cajuns as a director of digital strategy, serving as a creative lead and lone digital video creator of all 16 varsity sports programs. In his first year, Napier selected him to join the staff full-time, promoted the senior director of digital strategy in 2020, instrumental in elevating the Raging Cajuns' content standards to that of national prominence, with a key element in landing the Sun Belt's number one recruiting class for three consecutive years. Look, we always talk about this, you know visits and all that type of stuff for, for for recruits, but also you know those social media assets you send out there, the offers, the commit graphics, the video graphics for for recruits plays a large part in it up too. Social media such a huge part of all this. Those players want to be able to share all that stuff. You got to make it look good. That's what Doug Domingue does here, University of Florida. You know all those uh, videos we've watched of Louisiana the last few weeks? He played a large role in those videos. The, the drama setting of all those videos of you know the end of the Billy Napier era in Louisiana. Putting all that together, huge part right here. 
One more that was announced here on this Monday. Ashore Pira announced Director of Football Operations, Logistics, and Analytics. It was announced today on Monday. Native of Chicago, Illinois, Pira, Pira, yeah, hopefully I'm saying that right, saying that right. Pira served as Director of Player Engagement at Louisiana from 2019 to 2021 under Napier. Also spent two seasons, 2018 and 2019, as the director of recruiting for the University of Central Arkansas. 2011 St. Leo University graduate, Pira coached at both the collegiate and high school levels prior to assuming off-field duties. Pira's coaching stops include several Florida high schools. If you're watching the YouTube version, you see the image of Pira here. And if you're very active on social media, you have seen him on these visits the last week or so. Well, you know, last week before the the uh, official visit weekend for for when, when coaches were allowed to be to be on the road, Pierre was making visits. You saw him in Florida visiting high schools. I'm sure reconnecting since he was had those prior stops at several Florida high schools. So uh, a lot of people I've talked to behind the scenes say this guy can get it done. Very active in recruiting. Great relationship builder. We've seen the beginnings of that on the social media landscape starting last week. So there we go. All the new hires, all the new staff hires, for the University of Florida off the field. And look, you can tell this is a, all these images and all these stories and all the summaries that we get from what these people have done. This is, um, it's, it's put out there under the direction of Billy Napier, announcing all these hires, no matter your role on this team, go back to his opening press conference. Everybody plays a role, he said. You know, he's showing them. The, the importance of being part of this Florida staff by putting out these graphics. Florida doesn't have to do this. He doesn't have to do that as the head coach. We saw, But this is who Billy Napier is. Go back to the signing day press conference and everybody he thanked for helping him in that crazy, crazy busy week. And then all these hires are being made and all these graphics and all these stories that FloridaGators.com are putting out and uh, you know, these biographies that they're putting out of these people. You know, that's a, it's calculated. It's, it's a way to say thank you for, for, for Billy Napier. Take care of the people around you. Show respect to the people around you. That's what he's doing here. That's what he's doing here in the announcement of all these, the, the army that he's assembling, the army that he talked about. Putting it out there on display for everyone to see. Great gesture there. So, all right, there we, there we go. That would do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Your Gasparilla Bowl preview. Florida, UCF. Don't know how excited you are for it, but one more time to watch these Gators. Thanks to Brendan Helwig from UCFSports.com, part of the Rivals Network, joining us here on Gators Breakdown, giving us a preview of UCF. And one more look at all those hires there for the Gators. So, all right, that'll do it for this episode. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.